Today, I'm reminded of Blanche Dahl. Some of you may remember her. She lived to be 102. That's uh, quite a memorable feat. She lived down at Panorama Apartments and uh, was very good friends with with uh, James Knox, who um, this is, it was about a year ago that he passed away, and she had preceded him in death, uh, you know, several months before then. But one of the things as we studied the Bible uh, down there at Panorama Apartments, one of the things that Blanche would do is we'd even study the Gospel of John. Uh, come to think of it, she would she would often say, and I think she was just you know kind of studying for the first time and reading on her own. She was really thinking about God. And one of the things she would say, and she said this fairly regularly, I just wish he'd just show himself. I wish he'd just come and show himself. And isn't that a, an amazing thought? Just the, just the thought of seeing God. The thought of actually being able to open your eyes and look and know that you're in the presence of God. And she really was looking forward to, I think she was longing for a powerful revelation because I think at the heart of it, she really just wanted to know for sure that there was a God. And seeing God would certainly satisfy that, right? Well, there was one in the scripture who also asked to see God. And it was Philip, and we're going to look at that passage later. And he told Jesus, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. That'll be enough. That's all we need. Of course, those of us who know Jesus know that he was looking right at Jesus. He was looking at God. He was seeing God. And that's what the book of John is all about. I want to start with a passage, and this is what kind of spurred the, um, the rationale for what, how I developed this sermon. It was, this is reading from John chapter 1, which you, um, if you're going through the reading plan, you wouldn't have looked at this past week, but two weeks ago. Um, in John chapter 1, verse number 18, um, and I, I don't know if just the, a different translation kind of alerted this to me, and I looked at it in a little bit different way. But this is this is the crux of the, the gospel of John. This is why John is writing. Because then we're going to see, if you look at this verse, and then you start going through all of the rest of the book, you'll see this is what this book is all about. I want you to see God. I want you to know God. And the writer says, no one has seen God at any time. You think back to the Old Testament, Moses saw God, but he saw his backside. <laughs> he was going away. You know, he didn't get to see God face to face. He would have died. He couldn't have handled it. His body, whatever. You know, he, he would have died. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He 
has explained him. New American Standard. He has made him known. The time of this writing, Jesus has ascended into the heavens. He was at the right hand of God. He, he was, as this words, the only begotten God. God who was the one, and the, the, God gave birth to him. He was, and he was in the bosom of the Father. He is the one who knows God. And in fact, he is the one who is God, and he has explained him. Well, who is this only begotten? Who is this one? And it is Jesus. And so as it says on the outline here, if you want to see God, look to Jesus. Don't look anywhere else. Look to Jesus. You look at Jesus, you'll learn who God is. And actually, that universal language of love that was spoken of here a minute ago, that explains God. You want to know God? You look to Jesus, and when you see Jesus, you see the one who died for you. You see Jesus who went to the cross to save you because he loves you more than anyone else. Who loves you most of all? That's right. It's funny and it's true. Boy, if I've done anything right in my life. you know who loves you more than your mom or your dad? It's Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you. Look to Jesus. Know him. Because when anybody else in this life fails you, if the preacher fails you, if your dad fails you, if your mom fails you, if the church fails you, if your neighbor fails you, if anybody else fails you, you keep looking to Jesus. He has never failed you. And when you look to Jesus, what do you see? The easy answer is you see God. When we learn about Jesus, we are learning about God. That is the point, according to John, as he writes. No one's ever seen God, but there's somebody who's explained him, made him known, who was God in the flesh. John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By the way, we're going to explain what the next verse we go to in verse 14. The Word is Jesus. I like to think of it as, um, you know, what is a word? A word is an expression. A word conveys an idea. The Word communicates. And Jesus was the Word who makes God, who communicates God to us. Jesus is the Word. He's the idea. He explains He communicates to us who God is. So in the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing has been made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. He's saying the same thing that he says in verse number 18. God shone into the darkness. He came down here and he revealed himself to us and we didn't even understand it. The ones he was writing about in particular, they put him to death on a cross. They certainly didn't understand the light that came to him, the word. Verse number 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is Jesus. Anything good, all things good, Jesus is the one. God is glorious. God is good. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. He's full of compassion. He's full of love. And that is what Jesus came and showed to us. Jesus came and explained it to us. Jesus came and lived it in a way that could never be lived. And he was just, it was, this table shows us and reminds us it was more than talk. It is truth. God is love. And he went to the cross to prove his love. So when you, well, let's go on with uh, just to, to finish conveying just a couple of these verses that make it plain and clear in John. And there's many after many. Just the fact that Jesus calls, instead of saying, Our Father, oftentimes, you know, like in the prayer, the, the Jews, they would say, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father. That's why Jesus prays, Our Father which art in heaven. They, it, was their, it was their Father. It was all of them together. And when Jesus used the word, um, my father, or when he talked about, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house, um, my temple, you know, when he was 12 years old, he was confused. He was conveying the thought that he had this special connection with God and that he was one with God. He was God's own son. He was the one. He was God. When you hear that word, my father, and it's in, in John a lot. Because it's conveying, he was God. You want to see God? You look at Jesus. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing. You look at Jesus. You see the Father. That's what this book conveys. So in John chapter ten, verse thirty, another pointed one, very pointed verse. It says, "I and the Father are one." I and the Father are one. John ten thirty, and then John fourteen, John chapter fourteen, verses uh, seven through nine. Um, Part of the scripture reading this morning, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. Philip said to, to him, now he just said, you, you, From now on, you know him and have seen him. You have seen him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it is not enough for us. You know, just pause. <laughs> How long did Jesus pause? Just, um, how do I answer this? I just said, you have seen him, you've seen the Father. Okay, but anyhow, besides that. Okay, so Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And that, isn't that a great, just so, God just show up. Reminds me when I was a kid and put that pencil down on that table. All right, God, if you're really there, just make that pencil move. I know it's a pretty easy thing for you. You know, if you're really there, make it move. You know, so just show yourself, show yourself, show us the Father. Well, Jesus says, verse number, verse number nine. How have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? So that's what this is, this book is all about. That's what Jesus is all about to show us the good, wonderful, loving, compassionate Father. That's what John's all about. I hope you've seen that as you've been reading through it. So let's consider some of these things then that this gospel makes clear, that John, as he writes, he wants to make clear to his his audience. When you look at Jesus and you see him, and you hear him speak, you hear his words, you see his acts, you see his very heart. What are some specific things that he wanted us to know? Because we know we are supposed to look at Jesus and see the Father. We look at Jesus and we see God. So, number one, we'll just go down through these. Number one, when you look at Jesus, you see the bread of life. And I, and I picked these, these are, a lot of these are the I am statements. I am, it's like Jesus wants us to know, I am by, so Jesus wants you to know who he, he's the bread of life. The bread of life. So turn to John chapter 6, and we're going to, and so many of these are in a larger context, but just John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51. Jesus speaking here, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus says, if you want life, he's the bread of life. You come to him and eat. And now, you know, we're, we're like, man, that's what we've done here today. It's what we do every Lord's Day. We come to the one who is the bread of life and we eat. And we live forever. And the reason we live forever is because he died for us. He took the punishment I deserve. So embedded in in everything he says here. He's the bread of life. Will you partake? 
of Jesus? Will you participate in him? Will you have communion, fellowship with him? He's the one who gives life, and you can't find it anywhere else. That's kind of the last point, so I'll not talk about it too much. Number two, let's go. So Jesus is the bread of life. You look at Jesus, you see the one who is life. He comes and he offers it to you. He's the manna that came down from heaven, just like manna came down in the wilderness, and they ate it, but they died. Now the manna has come down, and we see God, and we can partake of him, and we can live forever. So secondly, Jesus, you look at him, what do you see? You see the light. He is the light of the world. John chapter 8. We'll just look at verse number 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. That just takes me back to, to, to times when we've gone through difficult days. We've gone time, through times when there is some darkness and we just, God, I need some light. And we look to Jesus and we see him who is the light. Put a little note in here for darkness, kind of. Well, I think we all get this idea, you know, darkness, something we don't like. You know, anybody like me when you were a kid, you were entering into a dark room with no lights on it. You open up the door and you slide the hand in and you're trying to get on the light switch so you can get the light on. And then you can make sure there's nothing big and bad and ugly in the room so that you can go safely into the room. Right? Light is like, your grandmother is not still like that, right? Oh, <laughs> We're the darkness. You're in a big building in the middle of the night and the lights go out. It's a scary thing. When I would uh, run in the middle of, I've, I've conveyed this before, out running in the middle of the night, midnight, and out running through the countryside with uh, eight feet tall corn on both sides of me and it's and then you come up to the dark woods and there's like no light from anywhere and you're like oh this is scary you just got enough light to see the road it's scary the darkness man it, the darkness and it hits our lives and we just when we're having a bad, it, we we understand the thought of darkness and it conveys so many things. But on this the paper, I, just, I put um, chaos at creation. So you think about on, 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 at creation, God spoke and there was light. And he spoke. So light came into the darkness and pushed out the darkness. Well, what was there before he even spoke that first word, let there be light? Well, it, he, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. And void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now it's not, and so I wanted to point that it's not evil. It's just God didn't make an evil world. Evil came into it later, right? So, but it's a picture. Darkness can be a picture, not necessarily always of evil and bad, but of of just 
emptiness or disorder. It's just there. The, the earth was without form. It's just there. You know, I don't, I don't know what that looked like. Because we see order in everything. Except then sometimes in our lives it gets a little messed up. And we, oh man, I just need some order. I just want some, some sense to get rid of the chaos in my life. So darkness can represent chaos and disorder and emptiness. But when Jesus says, I am the light, he said, I can come in and I can give you that order and that peace. And I can fill you. I can send out the darkness. And all those bad things that are there in your life, too, they can go, too. I love that song we were singing, the, the uh, what was it, the worst of sinners... Can, I, I can think of the, 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 the tune was just, was just the vilest of sinners. I can't think of the next phrase, but he will receive, he can save. was in the, one of the songs we just sang. The vilest of sinners. He can send out that darkness. He can send out that sin and that guilt. He's the light. He can come in and fill you up and give you hope and joy. Nobody else can. Only Jesus. He is the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. When you look to Jesus, you also see the door to salvation. And you see how all these, they go hand in hand. All these pictures Jesus created of himself. John chapter 10. We'll just look at verse number, um, verses 7 through 10. And again, you go back and read the previous verses and... You get the fuller picture. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so with that, with that, the idea of him being the door to salvation, it's, I, I almost, that was his, you can, in and out to be, he will be saved. It's straight from the passage there, right? But it's even, it's more than that. It's just not an eternal, only and simply an eternal destination to go to heaven. That's, the ultimate joy, the ultimate purpose. But it's also right now to here to have life abundantly, to go in and out of pasture. It's Jesus being the light and filling up your life now. So all, you know, that's one of the misconceptions I think people have just in Christianity in general. They think, hey man, there's a moment when you get saved and now I'm going to heaven. Everything's cool, you know. And the most brilliant of people even believe that. And, okay, that's, that's cool. I hope you go to heaven. But, man, if you're not enjoying the abundant life now and letting Jesus change you and transform you and fill you up now, you might be missing out on the eternal part. He came that you may have life abundantly. He's the door into that. Jesus is the only one who gets you there. He says in the next verses we're going to keep reading, I am the good shepherd. Another great and wonderful picture. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is, how much am I supposed to read? Verse 16. All right. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Again, that's, you want to know, (laughs) I came to show you God. You want to see the Father, you look at me. So, this is a picture, he's creating this, he's saying, this is a picture of the Father that I'm creating of me. I'm really teaching you about the Father in heaven. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. I have, an, I have other sheep. Oh, in this spot, man, every time. Praise God, this is talking about me. It's talking about you. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so I may t- take it up again. So here is the good shepherd. And he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd who lays down his life for you. And that's how you can know that nobody loves you more than Jesus. Nobody loves you more than the Father. Because he laid down his life. He is the good shepherd. Lastly on this uh, outline, the last kind of picture of Jesus, we'll go to John chapter 14. And looking at the time, you all should be thankful that I took some of the other I am statements and other pictures of what Jesus has in here. We might actually get done when we need to, close to it. This one, it's all. It's, this is it. So John chapter 14, he puts it together. We've already read verse 7. You're going to see that in a second. But John chapter 14 and verses 6 and 7, and this was, Thomas was speaking before this. Where is the way? Blah, blah. So anyhow, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him. And have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus goes, are you kidding me? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. Come on, guys. Come on, people. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. And if you've seen me, then you have seen the way. And you have seen the truth. And you have seen the life. You don't have to keep on searching anymore. You come to me. John 14, 6. Know that passage. Because you know if you look to Jesus, you're going to see God and you're going to see that God has given the way, the way to heaven. You follow Jesus. The way to eternal life. The way to an abundant life even here now as we walk this uh, dusty soil of this earth. He's the way. 
trying to find your way. You can't find it anywhere else but in Jesus. Just imagine, okay, so you take these three things, and there's that question there that I have with that one, a little sub note. What is there without him? So if you consider that Jesus is the way, if he is the truth, if he is the life, if you're considering today, is this real, is this true? If you're kind of wondering, man, I really don't know, and I agree with Blanche Dowell, and it's just kind of like, God, if you just show me, you just show up, just show yourself just one more time, you know, then we could all believe. Well, take away Jesus, and what do you have? If he is the way, and if he is the truth, he is the life, then without him, you're, you're lost, you have no way, you're in the dark, absolutely just lost and floundering, because the, you're not following the one who created your own life. And the truth, if, if, with, if, he, if you don't follow him, you're, you're, you're saying... Well, I'm passing up on the truth. That means that then you are going to be in the darkness when it comes to knowledge, to truth, to all things. It's, that's a lost feeling. Without the truth, you're just following the ways of the devil. You're being lied to. You're following anything else but what is true. And without life, then you're a walking dead man. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Don't say no to that. So again, the point of John, it is this. Here is Jesus. Hear him, see him, know him, and when you do, you come to know the Father in heaven. You get to know God. God is suddenly the one who can be your father. God is the one who died for you on the cross. God is the one who sent his own son to die for you on the cross. God is the, you have the opportunity to be best friends with God. It's nice having a best friend, isn't it? The only thing that's better than having a good friend in this life, it's having the Creator as your best friend. Turn to Him. So the challenge, I want you to, um, well, go to John chapter um, 9, verses 4 and 5. To all you believers, all of you who look to this book and say, yep, Jesus is the light. He's the one you go to. Well, here in John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says to His disciples about healing, doing good. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I'd ask you to consider, we already, the book acknowledges the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of God. He is at, in the very bosom of God. He is one with God again. That's where he came from. That's where he returned to. He is one with God. So that's where Jesus went to. So, are we, is the world in the dark Dark now? For Jesus, his time was going to be done when he went back to, into heaven, but is there still light in the world? I contend the only way that there's going to be light in the world is if this truth continues to shine. 
And if the people who obey this truth and claim to know Christ Jesus shine forth the light, it is up to us to be the light of the world. Jesus told his disciples, he says, you are the light of the world. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Shine the light of Christ in your life. Consider that. Can Jesus still be seen here in this world through you? Think on that. Act upon that. Think deeply about that. Because the light is supposed to drive out the darkness and it's supposed to come and fight against the darkness. If if your life isn't any different than anybody else that's out there in the dark, then you're part of the dark. We've got to shine the light of Christ in our lives. And if you're not a Christian, then hear these words from Ephesians. Ephesians uh, chapter 5, in verses 14 through 17, and uh, this passage is a wonderful one. Chapter 5 is fantastic for all believers. You know, light versus the darkness, don't be in the dark anymore. Live like children of light is up uh, in um, verse uh, 8 up there. But um, on down to verses 14 and following, I think it makes people who haven't given their lives to Christ, it makes you think. Because the days are short. We don't know what tomorrow, we don't know what the rest of this day holds. For this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And all of the will of the Lord is important, isn't it? Following Him in every way that we can and seeking Him, knowing Jesus so that we can be like Him, walking as children of light, that is so important. So seek Him and find Him. But if you're not in the light, if you're asleep at the wheel of your life and you need to come to Jesus and get right with Him, it is, it is the time now. Awake. And arise, come to Christ Jesus, walk in the light with Him. He is God. He has shown Himself. He impacted the world like no other. Live for Him, and you will never regret it. If anybody needs to respond today, won't you please come as we stand up together and sing.